Standby. Hello, this is Penn Jillette. The possibility exists that if I were to actually listen to the lackadaisical Librocubicularist podcast featuring host Jordan Maywood, I would potentially enjoy it. A ringing endorsement. Potentially enjoy this episode, which will start after the other half of my magical comedy duo, Teller, gives us a countdown. Take it away, Teller. Hello, welcome to the Libro Cube. I had a nice ring to it. My name is Jordan Maywood, and I am the lackadaisical Libro Cubicleless. Something I like to, to say at the top of every show, usually better than that, is that there will be spoilers potentially of the things written in the description. Another thing at the top of every show, I will often say is that if you like what you hear, the only payment I ask is a million Brazilian dollars. Oh, 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 oh. oh, that is... Whoa, shit. That is silly. <laughs> Almost fell out of my chair there. Uh, the only payment I ask is perhaps you pass the podcast on to a friend. Perhaps you rate, subscribe, and comment within iTunes. Because that is good for podcasts, and this is one. Mm. I think uh, I'm going to push a button and uh, try to stick to the timer. I say that every goddamn time. Sometimes I actually listen to myself. Will this be one of them? Let's get ready to review some things. Today's movie monologue sponsor is Curried Origami. Okay, so uh, if you are following along, which I have no doubt that you are, you will know that the first movie today is, of course, Resident Evil Extinction, or as I believe it should be titled, Resident Evil 3 colon Extinction. Make it easier for us who are doing movie marathons of your series to know where they fit in. God, they really didn't plan ahead with me in mind. Uh, uh, This came out in 2007. Survivors of the Raccoon City Catastrophe travel across the Nevada desert hoping to make it to Alaska. (laughs) What the fuck? So far away. Uh, They must have taken a wrong turn at Albuquerque. Uh, Pugs Bunny reference. Uh, Alice joins the caravan in their fight against the evil Umbrella Corporation. Um, You know what? Is the Umbrella Corporation the evilest of all corporations in in fiction? It's got to be in the top three, if not the first. Like, you've got Skynet, but they sort of didn't know um, that they were going to be, you know, evilly. Hmm, good question. Yeah, I'm going to put them at number one. Uh, Let's do as I tried to do and failed to do on most occasions, and that is get audience participation. If you can think of an eviler uh, corporation, (laughs) real or imagined, oh, geez, let's not open it up to that darkness, Uh, email me to the address provided in the closing credits. You can tweet at me, Jordan underscore Maywood. Um, 
other ways to reach me are there as well. Uh, yeah, so uh, this continues where the second one left off as far as amping the craziness. Um, somehow, some way, we went, I feel like, fairly quickly from zombies to zombie a total apocalypse. Like, uh, it didn't feel like... I know years have passed, but something happened to the Earth that... Uh, basically most of the plant life has died so that uh, everything's kind of like deserty and hot and uh, birds and f bugs and uh, zombies all want to kill you. So this is really up to the ante as far as danger to humans in a movie. Uh, th th like in the first movie, if you're a human, as long as you were not uh, in the building, you'd be fine. In the second movie, as long as you were not in the Raccoon City, you'd, you'd probably be okay. This one, pretty much anywhere on Earth, you're fucked. So, uh, I like that because I like post-apocalyptic stuff. Uh, so that being said, rating-wise, let's just go with solid four. Again, uh, feel like I should reiterate: these movies are what they are. They're not, uh, you know, Oscar-winning, but maybe nor should they be. Hmm. How about that? What is potentially Oscar-winning is this next movie. Uh, I'm pretty sure I heard it was, at the very least, nominated. Am I misremembering that? Doesn't readily say on the IMDb. Unless I want to click buttons, which I don't. Because it was time for buttons. The movie we're talking is Arrival. Oh. When 12 mysterious spacecraft appear around the world, linguist Professor Luis Banks is tasked with interpreting the language of the apparent alien visitors. Uh, fascinating movie. Uh, watched it with the missus. I don't think she was a huge fan of it. Uh, in fact, I know she wasn't. <laughs> um, probably because she does not, like me, appreciate or love the sort of timey-wimey stuff. It, any time time travel or time manipulation or just time stuff in general comes up, uh, that sort of ups my love of a thing. And uh, this had that... It's the type of movie where you really have to pay attention and sort of wrap your brain around some time stuff, which uh, I like to do, so I like this movie. I'm going to give it a 5 out of 5. Very much liked Arrival. Another very good movie next. Oh, man, we're on a good run here. Uh, heard of uh, this movie was reviewed by Victor Lucas, who you may know. I'm sure I've spoken of him on the podcast before. Uh, he reviewed it. I uh, appreciate what he said of it, so I've uh, got a copy for myself. It is called Kubo and the Two Strings. Ah, not sticking to the timer, of course not. Uh, a young boy named Kubo must locate a magical suit of armor worn by his late father in order to defeat a vengeful spirit from the past. The past. Hmm... Now that just sounds cool, sort of period, full stop, but this movie is actually um, stop motion animation, which uh, you don't see too much of nowadays because it is a pain to make, uh, but 
often, as in the case of Kubo and the Two Strings, leads to really just beautiful movies. Just just uh, movies that... Uh, there's some movies out there, and I think I've brought this up before, where uh, you could sort of pause the movie, take a picture of the screen, uh, print that picture off and hang it on your wall, and it would be art. And this definitely falls into that category. Uh, the movie itself was was like I like this the, this sort of story. Um, there was some sadness, some happiness. I may have shed a tear. I don't actually remember. Hmm. It's quite possible because it was very moving. Uh, rating wise, I think I also have to go five out of five. Wow, we got a good friggin' roll going here. Uh, okay, so we got two left to go. Uh, this is one that the missus insisted I watch. Uh, it's called The Hundred Foot Journey, and, uh, I did enjoy it. It was a very good Sunday movie, movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Kadam family leaves India for France, where they open a restaurant directly across from, uh, Directly across the road from Madame Mallory's Michelin-starred eatery. Hmm, little alliteration there. Uh, Madame Mallory, of course, played by the uh, incomparable Helen Mirren. Yeah, so uh, we've got an uh, Indian family trying to uh, start a new life in this small French village. Uh, so it deals with racism um, and heavy themes of food and um how important food is to people this is a movie that if you are if you would title yourself a uh, foodie you would love this movie uh, i do not title myself that and yet still had uh, enjoyment uh, i think i'd go solid three maybe even some four-ish moments uh the lead oh yeah i wanted to look the girl uh what was her name Charlotte Laban. She played Marguerite. Uh, yeah, I'm going to open up a tab and get a look at her because she was beautiful. Charlotte Laban. Born in 86. Wow, I would have said she was much younger than that. Okay, uh, moving on to... Oh, did I give my rating? I believe I did. Uh, last but not least, another good one. About Scout. Uh, this is on Netflix. A rebellious goth girl embarks on a road trip across Texas with a suicidal young man in an effort to find her little sister. Uh, very indie movie vibe, uh, dark comedy, drama, a little bit of everything, which is what I love in a movie because life is a little bit of everything, is it not? Ah, deep. Uh, so for that reason, I think i got to go another four... Maybe even some cool five moments. Really, really like this movie. Uh, the actress who played Scout, India Enenga. Interesting last name. Uh, she is, I think, I might add her to those young actresses who I think we will see more of because she was very, very good in this movie. And I recommend it. About Scout. Television 
Today's television talk sponsor is Croatoan brand Krokombush. Thank you for that. Okay, I'm uh, going to have, as I have done, I do believe for every single other one of these things, talk about American Horror Story Season 6. Yes. Oh, I should have uh, used this opportunity to bring the missus on, as I have done uh, for a couple of the other American Horror Stories, because we watched them together. Uh, I did remember, which often I don't remember to do, uh, is to get her rating, and that is 3 out of 5. If you are unfamiliar with the missus's rating scale, it is fucked up and broken. <laughs> She's got shit all over the place, and it doesn't make any sense. For example... Uh, the the crazy example I like to use is the movie Rush Hour. It's five out of five. <laughs> uh, and also three out of five means she really, really liked it, by the way. So that's the other thing. It just doesn't make any sense. Uh, my rating, just since we're on the subject, uh, I enjoyed this one. Uh, I don't know if it was my favorite of the American Horror Stories, but uh, I did like the fact that it tried to stitch some of the previous ones together. Uh, I do like that idea that this this whole American Horror Story television show takes place in one universe. Uh, that very much appeals to me. It has a sort of Stephen King Dark Tower feel to it in that regard. Uh, I think I'd go four, three or four, depending on the episode. Maybe some cool five moments. Uh, I will say in terms of scares, if that's what you're going for in these, uh, scarier than some. Uh, it did have, <laughs> this is not really a spoiler per se because they don't play a huge role in it, um, Asian ghosts, uh, scary Asian, Asian grudge-like grudge ghosts uh, that are horrifying in their movement. <laughs> that I really do not care for. Like, just talking and mentioning them is for real giving me goosebumps right now. Uh, luckily, they were they weren't there often, and when they were there, it was sort of uh, quickly quickly gone. Uh, uh, okay, so if you're unfamiliar with this one, uh, a family moves into a house that uh, shit goes wrong, and which sort of has a bit of a feel to the first one as well. Is it a haunted house? Yeah, I guess if you boil it down, that's sort of what it is, but it's a little more in-depth than that compared to, say, the first American Horror Story. Uh, it all has to do with settlers, uh, the uh, uh, Roanoke, Croatoan uh, disappearing settler thing, which apparently is real. Uh, it was a, a group of settlers back in, I don't know, I guess Pilgrim times. <laughs> like good with dates and numbers. Let's just say Pilgrim times. And uh, apparently the whole settlement just disappeared. A man, woman, child, just gone. Uh, with no reason, with, with no one ever found out what happened to them. Many think uh, Indians, uh, and there was a word... Uh, sort of scrawled on a tree, and that was the only sort of evidence of foul play, I suppose. Um, so, the people who disappeared are the quote-unquote ghost of this American Horror Story. And uh, they don't like people living on their land, so when the blood moon mm -hmm, happens, they'll come out and fuck your shit up. Uh, now, there was some times over the course of this show where you'll think, come on, there's no way a human being would react like that. Uh, for example, 
you're in a situation where uh, pilgrim ghost settlers try to kill you. Uh, you know, you get away. Um, you know that they only will try to kill you again if you go back to this place during a certain time of year. Would there be any reason at all that you would go back to this place during that time of year where the exact same situation would happen? I don't think you would. Uh, this did something else that was kind of cool. It was all told from the point of view, or mostly all told, from the point of view of a, a television program, documentary. So you have two people playing each character. You have uh, the, let's call them the real person, and then you have the actor who played them on the reenactments of the television program. And then you have them both together uh, at once. So it, it was sort of a very interesting idea that uh, I've never seen anything like it. And if you listen to this podcast, you will know when there are things that I've never seen in uh, movies or TV shows or books or whatever, I always give extra points to that. So, uh, yeah, I think I already said four to five, which, uh, yeah, I, th I think that's a fair assessment. I do believe. Today's book banter sponsor is U.S. Mint Mints. Thank you for that sponsorship. Okay, so I seem to have a bit of a theme developing today in that uh, everything I'm talking about I'm giving fucking high marks to because it's some awesome shit. This, out of everything I will talk about today, gets the prime spots. Because the book is always better than the movie and the TV show and the game and the internets. Uh, it is Making Money by Mr. Terry Pratchett. Terry Pratchett, who I have spoken of very, very highly on this podcast it's numerous occasions. Something I like to bring up on the rare occasion I read one of his books is that the reason it is rare that I read one of his books is because since he passed away, uh, that sort of realization that once I have finished reading all of his books, there will be no more, uh, and which that's a sort of very sad thing to contemplate. So I find myself really sort of spreading out readings. Uh, almost recently, I've come to the realization that that's sort of dumb because I can get to the end of all of his books, and there's a lot, and then I could just start right back at the beginning. Because uh, when I read the, the his first uh, Discworld novel, The Color of Magic, like that was quite a number of years ago, uh, and my memory of it has faded to the degree that a reread would be good. In fact, would be amazing. So I, I think you might see from me Terry Pratchett books, my favorite author, uh, more often than you have in the past. Uh, Making Money, I friggin' love this one. Loved it. It, it, should, come, it should come as no surprise. Uh, easy 5 out of 5, probably 6 out of 5, I will go. I will go. If you're unfamiliar with the Discworld, uh, similar to the uh, Dark Tower series, similar to what I was just saying of American Horror Story, uh, it is a group of stories that are interconnected in that they all take place in the same universe, which is something I love and appreciate. The, the building of a universe. 
this one just so happens to be earth-like except it's flat and riding on the back of uh, four elephants which are in turn riding on the back of a turtle which is floating through space also lots of magic and shit <laughs> but weirdly so <laughs> if the description of the actual physical world does not tell you there's some weird shit going on on Discworld. Uh, for example, uh, Moist Von Lipwig, uh, he's appeared in a few other novels, uh, and it seems that later in Terry Pratchett's uh, writing seemed to develop a, a, a great love of this character and wrote quite a few books with him. Uh, he's sort of a scoundrel. Um, yeah, that's probably the, the best definition. He is a scoundrel. Uh, <laughs> he was uh, given charge of the post office in the sort of biggest city of the Discworlds, uh, Ankh-Morpork. Ankh-Morpork. Uh, yeah, I, I always read it, I never say it out loud. Ankh-Morpork. <sighs> Weird sounding city name. Uh, and because of his scoundrelness was able to sort of turn it around. So the uh, leader of the city decided that, hey... If he did such a good job with the post office, why not put him in charge of the banks? So you're basically putting a scoundrel and a thief in charge of the finances of the entire realm, is a way you could look at it. Hmm. Interesting. Uh, similar, perhaps, to what's going on in uh, the United States, where uh, a scoundrel and a thief and a fucking asshole are uh, potentially in charge of the... If not the banks, at least, <laughs> can have adverse effect on the banks. <laughs> Topical. Uh, yeah, uh, so um, you've got him, you've got uh, his uh, girlfriend, sort of fiancé-ish, uh, embroiled in golem trade. Hmm, yeah. And lots of other things. <laughs> Uh, yeah, sticking to the timer, six out of five, making money, Terry Pratchett, I love it, there. Game Gavin. Today's Game Gavin sponsor is Dooku Apple Pie. Alright, uh, so if you're following along, similar to my Resident Evil 3 following along, you will know that I am playing The Legend of Zelda colon, A Link to the Past, uh, past, on the Super Entertain, Super Entertainment, what is happening? The Super Nintendo Entertainment System, or the SNES, if you prefer, and I hope you do, because it's fun to say SNES, SNES. Uh, okay, so uh, we, uh, I, I sort of touched on why I'm playing it, how I'm playing it, and a little bit where I've made it to. Uh, now, I am more embroiled in the Dark World. Ooh. So this game is kind of, sort of, kind of, sort of like other Zelda games, uh, broken up into two points. Uh, and I wonder how often we see this. Um, a first usually three <laughs> initial uh, tasks, dungeons that you have to complete. 
um, in order to uh, sort of give you that false sense of the game being complete. Uh, kind of, sort of, kind of, sort of. And then realizing that, oh wait, that was just the tip of the iceberg. Here's seven other things you have to go do in order to complete the game. Uh, it's a formula that uh, you could look at it as frustrating or you can look at it as fucking awesome because now you thought you were almost done the game that you're having an amazing time with. Well, I'll tell you what, you have a shit ton more to do in this amazing game that you're having a fun time with. Uh, here they did it an interesting way in that it's sort of a light and dark world. Two universes existing simultaneously at the same time um, that you can exist in both and the effects of one world can have uh, effects in the other. Uh, which is, considering when this came out in 1991, I do believe, for a for for the Super Nintendo, really just an incredible feat that they were able to accomplish that, which is a, a, a sort of common story of Zelda games, the amazing feats that they're able to put off, uh, put together with the software they have at their hands. Um, so I completed the light world and have moved into the dark world. Uh, and you do go back and forth, obviously, but once you get to the dark world, so that's probably where you're going to be spending most of your time, uh, I'll, I'll tell you where I am at this point. I have completed the seven dungeons. Uh, I have got all the seven crystals, in other words, which you need to open the final dungeon, which I've just sort of dipped my toe into. Um, I've got my sword uh, super, super strong, as strong as you can get it. I've got uh, arrows uh, that are silver, strongest arrows you can get. I've got, uh, a, no, I just have the blue tunic, which means you take half damage. Uh, I have this uh, this bat, quote-unquote, attacked me, but didn't really. So now whenever I use magic, it only uses half as much. Uh, I've got almost all the hearts that you could get. Uh, I've got four fairies and four bottles. I'm pretty fucking prepared to take on this last castle. Uh, that being said, I know from what I have uh, seen <laughs> and heard, this last castle of this game is going to be fucking hard. Uh, so I decided that rather than push on and try to delve into it, uh, I'm going to save it for this coming weekend and hopefully polish off is my plan. Uh, my worry is, uh, and this sometimes comes up on the podcast, is that uh, when you age, your video game skills are potentially not as high as they were when you were younger. Uh, a combination of that and me not having the patience for frustration in video games that I once did. Uh, I was once a video game completionist. I would get every trophy, uh, search every corner, do everything that could be done in a game, whereas now, uh, because I have less time to play video games, because I am uh, sadly an adult, uh, I, I find that my patience level is not as high when things get tough and I have to redo things over and over again. So we'll see how it pans out and uh, maybe talk of it again. Maybe not. We'll see. Today's Internet Intercore sponsor is Romulan Ale Soup. 
Oh, look at that. First item is Dude Soup with guest Tim Schaefer. Yes, this was interesting. Uh, the uh, the guys over at uh, Fun House, who I have spoken of on this podcast innumerable occasions, and whenever I do, I like to mention the fact that uh, I watch a lot of YouTube, uh, subscribe to a lot of channels. Why am I saying it like that? Don't know. Uh, but theirs is the only channel where I watch every single thing they put out because basically no matter what it is, uh, I will have enjoyment experiencing their content. So i just like to throw that out. Uh, this was interesting because it was sort of a peek into their growing popularity, which I am both uh, very, very grateful for and also have that sort of hipstery thing of I've been watching these guys since they started. Uh, now if people start finding them, it's not going to be this hidden little gem that I know about. Although, uh, I can't feel that too much considering how often I talk about it on this podcast. Although, double although, no one listens to this podcast, so... Huh. Huh. Uh, Tim Schafer, uh, creator of many games, but uh, what they spoke of quite a bit was Psychonauts, because Psychonauts 2 is coming out. Um, which I'm excited for. Not enough that I did... Uh, I think there was like a Kickstarter for it or something. I didn't do that. But uh, I did play the first one. And it's unlike basically any other game. So to see a second one come... I think it's coming to PC as well. So uh, that's exciting. Uh, okay, so let's move on to the next. And then sort of a general thing I wanted to say is something happened last week. And seemingly still going on a little bit now that I think about it. That... Uh, the podcast I'm listening to are upping their uh, amazingness. Yeah, that's that's one way of saying uh, it. It's just like every podcast that I listen to lately has amazing guests, uh, amazing stories are told, uh, just amazing laughs. Just this is the greatest podcasting last couple of weeks I think I've experienced in a long, long time. Uh, and it's, I just wanted to mention that as a thing and uh, maybe a question. Is that a thing you have heard? Uh, or, uh, sorry, a thing you have felt? Is this the golden age of podcasting? I don't know. And how am I involved with it, with this little thing? I don't get it. How can they do those amazing things and then I can do the exact same thing? Just not good and no one lists to it. Oh, maybe that explains it. Okay, so let's move on to uh, Harmontown, The Return of D&D-ish. Oh yeah, uh, okay, so I listened to every episode of Harmontown. And uh, for quite a while, they stopped playing D&D or anything similar to that. But it seems that they're sort of uh, contemplating slash are bringing it back every episode. So I'm excited for that. And I hope you are as well. Uh, next podcast. Oh, yeah. Just on that note, basically all I'm bringing back is podcasts because there's such an abundance uh, next one is uh, Stop Podcasting Yourself with guest St Scott Thompson. Oh yeah, uh, Scott Thompson from Kids in the Hall. I don't think I've ever been able to hear a long-form interview with him. So uh, to hear him on this, uh, a Canadian podcast, I might add, uh, was fucking good shit. Uh, I'd like to see more of him in general because he's a super, super funny dude. And it sounds like potentially things are brewing, so yay that. Uh, next, moving on, I'm doing these rapid fire because, you know, time and so many of them and got to jam that awesomeness in. Uh, Anna Ferris is unqualified with guest Stan Lee. What? 
Yeah, Stan Lee on a podcast. Uh, seemingly sort of a strange one for him to be on, but uh, I very much enjoyed it. And Anna Ferris uh, managed to sort of put him at his ease, which seemingly not too hard to do because he's a, a talkative, sort of excited, exciting and excitable person. Uh, had the pleasure of seeing his last appearance in Canada at Last Fan Expo. I have got his autograph. Ooh, i uh, give myself a little plug there. If you Google Nerd Kane Adventures, you can see just what I'm talking about there. Uh, next, moving on, uh, uh, Star Talk with guest Jay Leno. Oh, yeah, that was interesting. Uh, Star Talk with host Neil deGrasse Tyson uh, spoke with Jay Leno. As you can imagine, a, a lot or some of the talk revolved around cars and science, so that was kind of cool. Oh, shit. Uh, okay, so next we have uh, the Adam Curla podcast with guest Judd Apatow. Oh, yeah, uh, and also heard Judd Apatow... The, you know what? I wrote and more because I knew this would happen. Uh, Adam Carolla podcast with guest Judd Apatow. That was amazing. Then I also heard uh, Judd Apatow on You Made It Weird with Pete Holmes. And Artie Lang was there as well. Told an amazing sort of deep, uh, very touching, heartwarming talk with him. He had to leave. He was just so... Uh, uh, touched. Uh, he, he was so emotional. Um, it's, it's just like a should be award winning podcast. Just things like that. All of these. Just such an amazing experience to be able to uh, sit at my desk while working and listen to things like uh, the Church of What's Happening Now with guest Ralphie May and dropping acid <laughs> with Lee Syatt tripping balls on acid. See, we're really running the gamut on podcasts. Uh, so many incredible things. I, uh, I think I mentioned last time uh, I finally broke down and got the Howl app, so I've had Nerd Poker at my disposal once again, and that's been incredible. Uh, I don't know what my life would be like without podcasts, both the listening to and the recording of. Uh, throw a special shout out to a bunch of weirdos on Facebook in my foamy foamy corner. Uh, only you will know what that means, even though I don't think any of you listen to it. Uh, I will, I think, be dedicating episode 400 to my foamy corner friends. Nighttime foam corner. It's a secret Facebook group. Don't worry about it. Folks, one final thing to say, which is, of course, it is nice. To be nice to the nice. Done and done. And I mean done. Done and done. <laughs> I like Ron. This is the end of the show. A sincere thank you for listening. Time to plug some things and I do not mean. But. You can like us on Facebook. You can follow Jordan underscore Maywood on Twitter. You can subscribe and comment on iTunes. Lastly, if you would like to contact the podcast, you can email jordan.maywood at gmail.com. I would like to conclude that I am not a robot and that I have a theory. I've got a theory that it's a demon, a dancing demon. Something isn't right there. I've got a theory. The best is yet to come, and babe, won't it be fine? You think you've seen the sun, but you ain't seen it shine. Wait.
till the warm-up's underway Wait till our lips have met Wait till you see that sunshine day You ain't seen nothing yet The best is yet to come and be Won't it be fine The best is yet to come Live long and prosper